In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. There was a dream once, a hope based on truth, that human beings, citizens of a democratic republic, could govern themselves. They would not need an earthly king to rule them or to determine how they would live. Grounded on the family and fatherhood, nurtured in virtue and education, which relied on the Judeo-Christian tradition, it was hoped that such a dream could one day happen. That dream began to emerge in what has come to be called the West. And over 200 years ago, that dream became a reality. And that reality was what our founding fathers called the American experiment, what we fondly call the United States of America. It was called an experiment because it would demand the highest and the best of every citizen, a humility and a love for freedom, a sense of duty and responsibility to virtue and the common good. The experiment relied on its leaders to stay humble and remind themselves that they are the servants of the republic, not a king and not masters. It was an experiment. It's still an experiment. Such an experiment is a threat to fanaticism, radical ideology of any form, tyranny, a lust for power, a condescension that thinks it somehow knows better what's good for another person and will impose that upon them. But its focus on the common good and public responsibility, such an experiment flies in the face of relativism. The belief that any individual person at any time can determine for themselves what is right or what is wrong, what has value, what does not. It also relies, this attack on this experiment relies on false definitions of freedom. Relativism on one hand, a bastardized form of freedom on the other. Freedom, dear friends, and it's regrettable we have to remind ourselves of this. Freedom is the power to do what is right. It is to have the knowledge of virtue and the freedom of soul. The opportunity of state of affairs to do what is right, noble and good. That's freedom. Freedom is not the power to do whatever I want. Furthermore, freedom is not about the exercise of might by the powerful, but the exercise of right by citizens. The threat of this experiment provokes violence. It has many enemies, as we tragically saw over 20 years ago today. After the siege of Vienna by Muslim forces on September 11th, 1683, yes, that date is very important in the Muslim world, although in the West we have completely forgotten our history. This is why the attack happened on September 11th. They have not forgotten the siege of Vienna. It was when the West gathered forces and kicked the Muslim forces to the, to the east. And Europe was saved. Christianity was saved. After the massive siege in which thousands died in defense of the West, the simple question was asked, what is the difference between a Christian civilization and an Islamic one? It's a good question. I wish we lived in a world where questions like that were still asked. The answer given then still rings true today. The difference is freedom. 
The Islamic civilization is marked by submission. The very word Muslim means one who submits. Whereas the Christian civilization has been based on freedom, the radical belief of self-governance of the individual to do what is right, to love their families, and to serve and defend the common good. That is Christian civilization. Take the Islamic notion of submission to the extreme, and you have violence and terrorism. We have an attack on the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and our airplanes. And so what about this notion of freedom? What are we doing with it? It appears that we now have threats not simply from the outside, but also from within. It seems that there is an implosion of the very principle of freedom and its responsibilities. Some seem obsessed with their rights, forgetting that we only have rights in a democratic republic because we have responsibilities. It seems our national leaders have forgotten themselves, their status as servants in a democratic republic, and have dismissed the freedom of the American experience for a soft and ever-growing tyranny. We are told that most Americans would be okay with that. As long as they can still drink their beer, get their government check, and watch their porn, they're okay with that. The average American is not willing to fight for freedom. They just want a benign dictatorship. We have a problem within. So what is our response? What are those who seek righteousness to do in such a state of affairs? Well, the Christian answer is simple. The answer from our founding fathers is simple. We must be bold in our freedom. Our strength as a nation is born from the belief that free men and women do not need kings, an earthly king, but they can truly govern themselves. This monumental point was stressed by Thomas Jefferson in the very Declaration of Independence that gave birth to our nation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, equal, no kings, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not the pursuit of government or power, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. No hereditary rights, no crowns, no monarchs. This was further emphasized by Abraham Lincoln at Gettysburg as he spoke of the fallen soldiers. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God to have a new birth of freedom. And the government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. So while freedom and bravery have been siblings throughout Western civilization, they are beloved twins in the United States of America. And so it was freedom and fortitude that inspired 13 colonies to righteously revolt against their sovereign and to create a new nation upon the principle of self-governance. It was the staunch belief in a divine call for a republic based on freedom that led to a bloody civil war in order to preserve that union. And throughout our long history as a nation, 
and woven into our national fabric as a people. It has always been freedom. It has motivated and sustained our way of life and provoked our fortitude. Freedom is so highly revered that Americans are even willing to suffer and die in its defense. For example, it was the threat against freedom that inspired American soldiers to storm Omaha Beach. And it was a love for freedom that routed the passengers of Flight 93 on 9-11 to fight against terror and bring down their own flight in order to save the lives of others. We Americans, we cherish freedom. It's in our blood. It's in our culture. It's who we are. We sing about it, even as we understand its fragility. And the rocket's red glare and the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? Does it, dear friends? Does our flag still fly over the land of the free and the home of the brave? Freedom is the source of our bravery, as bravery is the cost of our freedom. As Americans, we have always understood how these two must walk together if we are to flourish as a people. As we remind ourselves of this star-spangled interaction between freedom and bravery, we remember the almost 3,000 Americans who died on 9-11. We look across the spectrum and we see our country, its state of affairs. And today we can recommit ourselves as Christians and Americans to name and defend freedom, the institutions that govern it, and the beloved symbols that represent it. Freedom is not assaulting the harmony of the common good or the dignity of our fellow citizens. Freedom requires self-governance in the hearts of every American and in American society. Freedom is a maturity of soul that empowers us to act above our passions and desires, to see the proper good of things and to do what is right and good and noble. That's freedom. We must allow freedom to ring. By its nature, therefore, freedom is civil and civilizing. It demands just laws and strong virtue, as we sing, America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. Left to our own devices, we can easily pass on bravery and quickly allow our freedom to become enslaved. And make no mistake about it, a weakened bravery and a wayward freedom readily remove themselves from the blessings of our Creator and rapidly replace the common good with an earthly sovereign of some form or another. And so, dear friends, we must rally freedom. We must let freedom ring. Let the enemies of freedom see it ring as they understand its power. As we rally, self-governance self must become restored. Passions must deepen virtue, not vice. Power must serve equality. Coercion, surrender to persuasion. An ideology be demolished by reason. When freedom rings, the poor are served. 
The vulnerable are protected. The family is cherished. Fatherhood and parenthood are esteemed. The rule of law is enforced. Patriotism is nurtured. The market flourishes with small local businesses. Workers work and are respected. Leadership understands its call to service. No one is left ever behind. Personal autonomy is respected in all areas of the law. Fellow citizens recognize and revere their mutual dignity. And God our creator is honored and worshiped. Dear friends, this is what freedom looks like. This is a free society. This is a democratic republic. This is the American experiment. And we're all a part of it. Whether it falls or rises up is up to each of us. And so live freedom in your lives, in your homes, and in your families. This is our best way to honor the beloved who have died in defense of freedom, whereas freedom was attacked. We must honor freedom in spite of the enemies of freedom, wherever they might be, and always allow ourselves as a people and a nation to be, to always be, the land of the free and the home of the brave.